Welcome to Third Eyesight. I'm your host, Juan Francisco, and I'm a spiritual intuitive who practices tarot card reading and mediumship. I've always been super curious about the supernatural and paranormal, and I'm here to share my stories and interview folks who want to share their own stories. Let's get to it. I'm here with clairvoyant medium and author, Catherine Allen. Catherine, it's so great to finally meet you. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks. It's nice to meet you too. Um, well, today it's just suddenly summer. So I up here in Montreal of all things. So I'm enjoying it, uh, shifting gears and, and just preparing for this eclipse coming up uh, on Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, the, I, we're feeling it here in New York City too. And I'm, as I said before I hit record, uh, I, I'm so excited to be wearing shorts. It's very freeing. It's so nice. And short sleeves. <laughs> yeah. And just like suddenly social after all of this long winter and yes. isolation, you know, that we all went through. I think it's refreshing. Yes. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Well, tell us where you're based and what your life work is. Okay. So I'm, uh, well, I'd say now I'm a digital nomad, more like after the like COVID just kicked us all online, mm -hmm. but I am based in Montreal for the last, um, yeah, about 30 years. Some people want to see you in person or they're big, but honestly, there's something about working online that I'm really liking for now. And I like the idea that I might be able to be, you know, more nomadic and mobile. So, and I'm, you know, you're meeting more people from all over the place because of it. So if people wanted to come to Montreal, yeah, I'd, I see some people in person, just not, not as many as before. And, and uh, actually I've had some colleagues of mine who are, who work as, who do psychic work and intuitive work. I've had one or two say that they actually prefer doing readings online because there's something about the energy just comes more, maybe there's less of a physical body language filter but what what's your experience with that do you feel yes. it's easier to read people digitally than it is in person or yes different? yes exactly and I a lot of people don't quite get why so of course I I was trying to come up with good analogies and I, I tell people well I can look out the wind I can look out the window and see the street is crowded or I can be on the street being bumped around I can still tell the quality of what the street is. I just don't have to be physically taking it all on like an empath. Because, ah, okay. of course, like when you do a reading live, most people are coming because they're anxious or they're feeling a crisis or grief or something. So, of course, you, you physically feel it uh, as well as trying to do your thing. You're managing the other sensations that are coming that sometimes can be... Uh, heavy or uncomfortable. Uh, so yeah, it provides this buffer. And, and I, I guess just staying in your own house and your own desk, there's more boundaries around working online. And that seems to provide a good structure to like stay more centered. I, I feel I, I feel the work is better, honestly. That makes sense to me. I, I can totally understand that. And knowing that you do readings, what are the kinds of readings you offer to folks and, and also the, the workshops you do? Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Well, there, over the years, there's been a number of things. But the, the main thing is going to be um, tarot and clairvoyance because they're sort of combined. I use the cards, but I'm also, it's opening the door to channeling. And that's more like interactive and I'll say what I see, but people can talk to me. So there's coaching involved for people, you know, trying to navigate personal decisions. And then mediumship I offer as a separate 
session because it's to me it's a completely different headspace to go there or talk about spirit guides. And then um, I've started offering also a channeled reading, which is sort of like a cold read. Somebody can send me if uh, one photo in their birthday, and I'm just going to do my thing, whatever, for, like wide open, whatever comes through for you. I told people if you're hoping I'm going to tell you what to decide next week, then this might not be the reading for you. But if you're just like, is anything coming through around me, past, present, future, spirit guides, toad, animal, toad, you name it, this is this is the one. And I've, I'm enjoying doing that. I'll do past life uh, readings and regressions as well. And, and I'll do Reiki and what I call shamanic Reiki. Because uh, once I learned Reiki, you're allowing this to come through. I'm like, well, now what? I'm just standing here letting this come. So that's when ironically, my, my own spirit guides would show up even stronger and start to point out and you know, what things are like cords that are attached to people or go do this, go, um, and, and just a lot of layers of clearing things for people. So, but those, those things people don't come that often for, but I love, I love doing that kind of work. And I, I, I first started out with astrology. So I have a YouTube channel and I do, um, astrological stuff and I still, I still love that too. Yeah. How fun. You are quite the Renaissance intuitive worker. Like it just, your hand is different. That's so great. And thank you. <laughs> when did you first realize, or when, when, when was the, the moment that you first had interest in this field of work or, or this field of things, uh, or when you first mm. realized you had abilities? Yeah. Well, honestly, you know, a lot of mediums have stories of, oh, when I was five, you know, uh, I saw this spirit in my room and I just knew that I was gifted or something. But no, I I grew up with a family that was resistant to anything uh, sensitive or empathic. So I'm sure I always had it and I was constantly arguing my perceptions with my parents <laughs> nobody ever said oh yeah you're right wow you can really see into people I was just getting angry like no this is how they are and no they're not like and so it took a while to see this as a gift okay um I had to it, it took till late high school to be able to say see ma I said that and I was right <laughs> you know um but as far as like when did this start with the dabbling into these arts like it was maybe around when I was 15 and we'd split up at the shopping mall for the day and I was in a bookstore and I started to see astrology books and I was almost terrified as I opened one that somehow my dad would catch me, you know, uh, like as if someone was watching. I was, it was terrifying at the time to say you were into any of this. I didn't say a word. I studied it. I observed. I, I found ways to ask what people's signs were and I, for a good six five, six, seven years before anyone knew. And then um, when I came to Montreal, I met a, a boyfriend who was friends with people who all had a magic store, pagan store. And uh, he had tarot cards and I just never put them down again after that. And I ended up working at that store a couple of years later for about 13 years. Wow. So it, and other other cool things happen too, like when the students ready, the teacher will come kind of moments happen. A lot of that started to synchronize in Montreal. Yeah, there's no coincidence or accident. That's for sure. When these things happen on our journey. 
and, and I, I like the point that you made. Uh, I think you are making a point by by sharing how for you it wasn't the story of you know when I was a child I saw an old woman at the foot of my bed and that's when I knew. And I, a lot of people do have that experience. Um, I myself also I don't have that experience myself. And mm-hmm. what I like about the books you've written, and we'll get into that in a second, um, especially your first book, a little bit of intuition, is that we are all intuitive. We all have the ability. Um, I don't know if you agree with this too, but uh, th- I feel that we all have the ability, but we the way it manifests, that's what makes it the, the the unique gift for each of us. Like we all have intuition. For some, they do it through this channel or this way of channeling or this method or using cards. For some people, they they can't practice medium or or their t- their ability to read tarot cards that pulls them more than mediumship ability. But yeah. it's still intuition. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if, if you see it the same way. It's almost like um, there's so many singers out there, but not every singer sounds the same way, but they are all yeah. talented. That's how I personally see yeah, it. Yeah, we can all sing happy birthday, but we're not all Pavarotti. Yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, same with intuition. I think anybody, even people that'll swear up and down that they don't have any, very often know they're quite intuitive in the way they make decisions. They just don't really realize it or make it conscious until... You know, I, I do things in workshops here to sort of point that out, like the stuff you might think is obvious, but you're actually taking it in and reading it instantaneously, almost like on an animal level, you know, mm-hmm. as yeah. we all would. Um, I'll ask somebody, you know, uh, point to somebody walking down the street. Um, are they happy? You know, they might go, well, no. Like, well, how'd you know that? You're not talking to him. What what gave you the vibe that this all of you think he's not happy. Is, is he, is he single? Is he, and they will all have answers if I break it down based on their gut feelings. So I think on, on a basic level, we are all synthesizing lots of things all the time and we're making choices and judgments. We just don't make it conscious. So when you make it more conscious and you start to pick up detail, well, now you can go into the realm realm of channeling and then that can just expand I would totally agree. And one of, I think one of the most fun parts of my own journey is when I've become more consciously aware of, of the intuitive ability I have, like the like the, the next person has, and I've looked back on memories of my childhood and think, oh, not everybody experienced what I experienced as a child, but I yeah. took it for granted. Oh, this is just, I mean, it, it is normal, but I thought <laughs> this is what everybody experienced. No, not everyone feels chills when they enter XYZ kind of place or, you know, it's it's fascinating and it that's what makes it kind of fun is when you look back and think oh that wasn't a common experience for everybody my age uh and maybe someone the next person had a different kind of experience but yeah it's also fascinating it really is in your work that you've done um do you come across like let's say someone books a reading with you and they themselves are not someone who consciously recognizes themselves as an intuitive worker and they're going to you because they say you they say you they see you as that resource to go to for that yeah. kind of thing. Does it happen often for you that you will have a client one-on-one who you 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 are very confident has stronger intuitive abilities than they may realize, mm. and uh, they just they they don't they don't see it? Does that happen often for you? Yeah, for sure. I I mean, some people it's you know it's really obvious, and I I'll tell them. Others, they need an awful lot of, uh, what's the word? I mean, if, they, if they've come for a reading, usually there's an awful lot to sort out before they're going to get centered enough to tap into that. 
Right. Um, sometimes the most fun readings, if I'm honest, for as as one reader to another, are when people are already sort of like tapped in, but they're doubting because there's a lot going on and they're just looking to you to be like an affirmation and take it into further detail instead of, I don't get as many, but at the beginning days, there were lots of people that say they would just sort of completely give their power away to you. And you could have said anything to them Hmm. and they would take it um, literally. And I, I always discouraged that, you know, I'm not your guru. Right. You know, I, I really did my best to try and empower people um, through this stuff instead of like making them addicted to me. You know, should I call them now? What about now? You know, what about, you know, kind of, you see an awful lot of that in this field. And so, um, but yeah, I've met a lot of gifted people on this path. And and I used to give psychic development classes and intuition circles and stuff. And it's been harder, um, honestly, in the last several years. I think culturally things have changed the way people want to consume things. They don't want to show up on time for something. A lot of the time they want to just download it when they feel like it. Yeah. There's this perception everything should be like instant instead of a process. Right. And then there's a lot of people dealing with higher anxiety than I've ever seen. And anxiety and intuition are almost like oxymoron, you know, because... And and so you're dealing not really with training people, but you're dealing with calming anxiety quite a bit before you could even get to that. So it's it's just funny how it's changed so much. Have you found? Yes, I I mean not to vilify or, or de demonize yeah. the internet or social media because I mean I've met so many interesting people through social media, but it's so easy to use social media as a tool for validation, for self-validation, um, whether it's looking at your followers or comparing yourself to other people. And I feel that with social media, um, I think also it, it's become this, this, uh, uh, this buffer that sort of brings out the, uh, I hate to say the worst in people, but I think there are things people will see on the internet that they would never say to your face in person, but they feel oh, yeah. more encouraged to do it because they're behind screens. So I, I think all of this combined has created this big uh, about to burst bubble of anxiety, uh, I think culturally. I mean, I felt that definitely. And there are times when I have to take a break from social media because it's just there's just too much, there's just oversaturation of news or a topic that I'm tired of hearing about. Um, I want to stay informed, but not to the point where it just, I get so anxious about it. I, I definitely feel that for sure. Yeah. And there's also a lot of people that, that know that they can, um, well, they see this, these arts as a way to make a buck, you know, yes. there's an yeah. awful lot of, there always was, but I think with internet, it makes it a lot more accessible for people with great marketing skills or or maybe more like, you know, a narcissistic presence to get followings than, than the authentic um, people. So that I found a bit tough to, to navigate over the years, but I think I've come more to peace with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it helps to have books because people access you through your books. It's the first time that there's ever room to tell my story. And a lot of people will come back to me and say that that's some of the, the thing they liked the most in the book was hearing my story. I'm like, oh, thank you. Because usually you're, de- you're just dealing with the speed and they want their answers of the reading and, no, and you're not saying any of your own journey to relate. And uh, 
Right. Yeah. Anyway, so it's been really lovely to have the chance to write uh, these books. Yeah. And I think that's that's a practice and also being vulnerable, writing a book and include, yeah. infusing your story into it. And going back to what you said about empowering your clients, I, I tell people, people that I read, I, I tell them all the time that I'm doing this. Um, yes, it's a, it's, an, it's a service I'm doing for you, but I want to empower you in recognizing your own intuitive ability and that your own connection to the other side. I am not the sole person. No other medium or psychic is the sole as yes. you said, guru to go to. We all have this ability. I'm just here to help you understand it yourself for yourself too. Especially on social media, I think it's easy for someone to create this sort of, I don't know if the right phrase is like this cult of personality. If you build this big yeah. presence and then people see you as like, the people are scrambling to get a reading with you and someone could easily take that and make it about themselves rather than about the work itself. And, and it's not, I think it's not healthy to detach ourselves from the work, but there's, it's to find balance. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I always used to tell people, um, I, you know, I might be one of many voices who tells you the same thing. I'm one, I'm one on the path of many that will give you whatever message you're meant to have. It might come from me or a taxi driver or your mother, hmm. but you'll get a message multiple times. It's up to you when you're ready to listen. It's not about me beating you over the head that I have to get credit for it in the moment. <laughs> anyway, all this to say, it really tests our ego in this field. When you've got, you've got a gift that it's, of course, it's a high. Once you realize, oh my goodness, what can I, I can do this. It's real. This is crazy cool. And then everybody wants a piece of you. Hmm. And it's, it's very easy and seductive. I get why a lot of people would just take that and, and um, you know, if they've got other issues or fear or scarcity or whatever going on. Um, I, I was challenged with it for a little bit. I had to go, oh, wait a second. Your ego is getting a little out of hand, girl. Like you're just the messenger. You're not, it's not coming from me. It's coming through me. <laughs> right. We're human. And I think that's a very normal challenge to have. It's It's the recognition of, it's the awareness of that that makes a difference. I think for sure. I 100% agree. So your new book is called Vibes from the Other Side, Accessing Your Spirit Guides and Other Beings from the Beyond. So what inspired you to write and release this book in May? Basically, this time around, I, I pitched um, my publisher with this and I, I wanted to write something to sort of tie together all this stuff that I've learned pretty much on my own. Um, experientially over the years, you know, through trial and error and through customers that came or through my own lived experience. And I, I wanted to make it um, accessible and, and real uh, to other people going through it. And um, I feel like I covered a lot more things this time than before. And, uh, and I got a chance to talk about how, you know, my mediumship journey, which I, I didn't last time. Now it's funny because um, my uh, my family wasn't terribly thrilled at the path I chose, right? I think they still think it's a little weird. But now I've got my mother and her friends reading my book in their living room. And she's like, what place was it that you're talking about where there was some priest walking around? And, and I'm like trying to describe my apartments. And she's like, well, I never saw that. Okay, it's all right. And, and uh, anyway, it's just funny that now my family gets to know me through a book instead of like talking about it. But, but I mean, that's a, that's a blessing though. 
if if that makes it safe for them to talk about it, read about it, and then want to open conversation that they never had before with me, or that that makes me happy. But yeah, I always see myself sort of, I'm sort of giving my experience for my own sake, but I'm I'm also I grew up with teachers, and I'm always like a teacher in my head, so hmm. um, I'm always trying to make things concrete and practical and accessible for people. Right. And that, that is pretty hilarious. I like, I think with writing, it just, it, it is easier to express yourself. So for some of us through writing, and I just find it really, it's incredible that your family gets to know even more through the books you release to the public, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, I know. And, and as um, in a little bit of intuition, your first book, which we'll get to in a couple minutes, um, mm-hmm. you focus more on like w- what intuition, what intuition can look like in its different forms for different people. And in this book, it seems like you go into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of like what, how signs can appear from the other side and what are the different ways to honor your loved ones on the other side or to receive those signs. Um, so what, what are some of the things, what were some of the favorite, your favorite parts of writing this book or what are your favorite moments in the book for you that you could, I mean, I'm sure they're, the whole process was a wonderful process for you, but are there any particular chapters or themes that were your favorite to write? Oh yeah. Thanks. That's a nice question. I, um, honestly, I found it pretty fascinating that I had to do some research on the history of it. Cause I, you know, that, that was pretty cool to see how the Victorians were, you know, really focused on life and death and did the soul survive death. And, you know, these, these seances and these, um, plasma or whatever like I I'd have to even go back and reread what I wrote because I I I did the research and I wrote about it but it still feels like huge uh, as a topic um so I enjoyed that part of the learning but as far as the parts that I shared I I I think the parts that I enjoy are the like you were mentioning the signs and the commemoration because I've just you know over the years working with people and hearing so many examples where people got their their message that gave them some sort of peace or closure after they set up um, some sort of altar to the person. And I remember when that started, um, I was doing tarot at a, at this pagan shop downtown Montreal for years. And I, like I said, no one's trained me. This was just, I was trusting my intuition all the time with whatever came through when somebody told me that their parent had passed and that they hadn't felt them around and they didn't have a message. And I, I remember that that being asked of me many times and I always felt compelled to say to tell them to put a picture and put, pick a special spot things they like bring some flowers in or whatever light a candle every day and and pray until you get your sign and and just uh, the just the diversity of of things that came whether it was like a, a song or a bird at the window or just some freaky animal encounter you know or any kind of dreams obviously are strong ones, but I've just heard so many that it's just so affirming that this is a truth of the other side. And that, that makes me curious when, and I'm excited to, um, to read your chapter on commemorating our loved ones. Something I am the most curious about is when we are commemorating our loved ones, what exactly in your own experience and your experience with this, like what do you gauge happens when we do commemorate our loved ones? I know that for us, it's a process of communicating with them or making that bond even stronger on the physical end of things and also helping ourselves to heal. It's a part of the process of healing, I imagine. 
what happen, what what do you gauge happens on the other side? How are our loved ones on the other side interacting with that? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Not an easy I, question to answer, maybe, but yeah, that's no, a lot. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I I think part of it's what you said that by like the physical act of making an altar or having a special spot and and the ritual that comes with that really, I mean, it's been in our culture for centuries for a reason. There's something to it that we need physical actions or objects to help mark things like a flag on a, on a pole somewhere, you know, we need to say, this is what that was or who they were, or this is where they are. But then that act of doing that, I do believe heals and opens us so that the other spirit has a way to communicate and we're more open to receiving it at that time, Mm. you know, and some people, they get one sign in their life. They'll have one dream after dad dies and that's it. Other people, they, it opens them for good, you know, and they start to hear his favorite song and it becomes a guide. And, and every spirit's different, right? Not every, but not every uh, person who's, who's passed is there to tell you, you know, give you a parking spot once they're gone or something, but like, but it's just beautiful how diverse these relationships are. So I, I think the act of commemoration helps us open up to that. And then it really depends on the individual if they're, if they want to integrate that as part of their new paradigm or not, or whether it's like a gateway that opens and shuts again uh, for the, until the next time or something. But honestly, I don't think the spirit on the other side really, honest to God, it sounds awful in a way because it's it's so un-Hollywood, but most of the things we do are, are for ourselves. Once their soul is is passed, it's not like they're lingering around sad about this or that. Um, most of the time I, I see most people are are at peace and um and there's forgiveness and nobody's on the other side going, you shouldn't have done that at my funeral or never. So it's really so much for us. <laughs> mm. I appreciate that insight so much because I, I also see it that way. I, I, our loved ones are always there. It's not like they only come up to us and we say their name or think about them. They're always there, and it's about our awareness. Like it's always there. It's up. It's up to us whether we want to be aware of it or open ourselves up to it. And I recently did a reading for somebody. Uh, this person did not have a great relationship with their mother or I'm sorry, their father. And they grew up in a very, very ultra religious environment. And their father mm-hmm. was a, a, quite the, um, uh, the, uh, the instigator of that or the person that kept that up mm-hmm. in the family. And I told her, you know, whatever you feel like I'm gauging with your father, that you had a tough relationship with him and he doesn't, not to be rude, I said, like, not to be rude, but he doesn't care if you forgive him. That's more for you. And if you don't forgive him, that's okay, because he's fine. He's at peace, and you'll be with him one day, whether you like it or not. Yeah, he's fine. And he's had the life review and seen things through your yeah. eyes. Um, and I, I and so I totally agree with what you're saying. And so I, I appreciate that. And I do want to ask you in this book, in Vibes from the Other Side, you mentioned portal in your closet in one of your former apartments and I (laughs) just would love to give folks a preview of what that's about because I found that (laughs) so interesting could you share a little bit about that yeah oh my goodness okay so I was living in in Montreal on a main street and it was just the funniest building because 
it um it was large and the the apartment had like maybe they call it a five and a half so like four rooms in a living room or something and they went back on an angle but the businesses underneath sort of went straight and it was like my place was over about three different businesses and totally three different energies the bedroom had like these you know, corrupt people who ran a shady, sketchy bar that I found out about only later. They were below the bedroom. There was a bookshop in another one. There was anyway. So the the place just had so much going on and I'd never seen anything like this. So there was, there was a line, somehow energetic line between the living room and the rest of the apartment. And this, um, this priest, it was like almost a voodoo type priest. Okay. And I'm not into that, but that's what it was. He was black. He was wearing black priest's robe and he walked around once in a while and he just sort of looked at me like you know just I'm doing my thing here for you just leave me be and I went that's fine you go ahead and do it um, but he never crossed the line into the living room I'm pretty sure he came out of this portal thing in the room that I'm describing and and that I don't know I'd never had this before or since but this closet just I I tried to fill it with stuff and I still felt a disturbance. I tried to sleep in there. I kept moving the bed back one wall, this wall, this. I could never sleep in that room. I could never seem to figure out what to do with that room. And, you know, I could blame it on the bar across the street or on something else, but it really wasn't. And, and another friend of mine who was also a medium walked in one day to see my place. And she said, oh, well, that's a portal. And I was like, oh, my God, I think you're right. It just felt like one of those horror movie things where it's like oh you know and it's like feels like there's something coming through and I'm like oh my goodness and then something did show up and come through it at one point that I'd never seen and I was like I don't know if I should trust this or allow this around or not like it seems harmless but I don't know there's lots of tricksters and lots of weird things on the other side too <laughs> if you're not if you're not informed about all of these different realms and I I had to learn by, by accident. So it stayed around for a while and then I had to release it. And I'm still to this day, not hundred percent sure what the heck it wanted, but it came through that closet. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. even it's crazy. Eh? Imagine I have trouble sleeping because of loud motorcycles. I can't even imagine. What that <laughs> that. Well, I'm curious what, if someone, if someone were to ask you, like, Catherine, I feel like there's something going on in my home and it's bothering me. I can't sleep. And it's someone who isn't in this field of work. What advice would you give to them? Yeah, well, people do call me in for that. And I've done home cleansings. And it's, yeah, th those have been crazy stories, things I've seen in people's buildings. Because usually, usually it's one of their kids that can't sleep or has nightmares. And that's how it starts. And then you go to the house and you're like, Oh, and this was the tip of the iceberg, what the kid was seeing, you know, like, um, yeah, usually if something, if there, I find if there's a disturbance, whether, you know, whatever that is, if there's an entity or a, or, a, you know, an earthbound spirit or something, usually that area of your place will be uncomfortable. You will clutter it. It might be cold or drafty. Uh, you might never unpack and that's where the boxes are there and you haven't unpacked it in two years because some part of us is trying to block that energy that we don't like. Hmm. So often, you know, you sort of have to clean up and move things around and it can, it depends what's in there. It can be a little unnerving because you, you might suddenly feel like something is around or 
people say things drop, things move, things turn on. Like I've seen that kind of level of stuff too. Some spirits in places are not, are not harmful at all. Uh, it can, some people say, yeah, I know there's a ghost here, but I sort of like him. He's not bothering me. I'm like, okay. And others it's like, oh my Lord, there's no way there's something standing over me at night and I can't sleep. I can't even calm my heart rate down, you know? So mm-hmm. all depends what it is, what you need to do. Sometimes you need to call in more than one, one of us to clear it. Like there's places that I've seen where there's no way I would ever go in there. Uh, there's too much going on. You'd need help. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. Always, it's definitely good to be informed and, and to seek a professional. Cause I, I, um, yeah, I've always, I've told a friend that recently that I felt something in their home and they, they, they themselves are psychic and they feel something too, but we see it. We're able to see different aspects of it because of the way our abilities just happen to differ. And, uh, and I told her, you know, you all together as a family need to cleanse the home. And if that doesn't work, you need to call someone who can professionally do that because sometimes things are way too power. They're outside of our, our bandwidth of what we can do. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I've had some crazy, uh, interesting, I don't remember. I don't think I put it in the book anyway. I forget. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but there was, there was a family that was staying here from Australia uh, they were living in, in Montreal and all three of them were very intuitive. So they, they all three saw spirits in the, the house that they were renting. And one of them saw somebody like a male, it felt like a male figure coming to the window. So they felt something threatening in the house. And this thing was at the window. The thing is it was two separate things. And uh, because they were so open and they were my students, we did a little clearing ceremony together and this is where it got Hollywood, okay? Like the one time in my life, there was a burn mark on the wood floor. And I just got this painful feeling around that. The thing in the window was a First Nations man who was coming to the window who told me he'd been here for over 400 years. And, and this lady did her research. And sure enough, just down the block from her, there was like a massacre of the Mohawk by the French or something. And so they were near some historical site. He was just passing through. He was fine. The, the, the violence, if you will, or the pain in the place was coming from the actual living family who had moved out. It was like an imprint of, of li- the living, mm. which was interesting to me as well. It's not always hauntings of the, of pe- of those who have passed. We gathered around this burn mark, which was apparently the child's room. And we all suddenly felt a presence at the door and I we, I felt like it was the mother and we I asked her to go and something launched itself down the hallway like we know that the four of us were sitting in a circle no one else was there and we she went down afterwards and a loaf of bread had launched itself from behind the bread box across the room wow. it was crazy yeah I, wow. I haven't had much of that and honestly, I don't know if I want to, because the things you encounter can really take a toll on you Yes. to process each time, you know, and uh, especially in big cities where you just never know what's gone through that place. Right. Yes. I, I think it's very, I think for folks who are not used to experiencing these things or who do this kind of work, um, it all, it sounds so hate to, I mean, I'm I'm thinking the perspective of folks that I'm talking about. It sounds yeah. glamorous and so fun, but it really is unnerving and it's real. 
And yep. I had something similar happen to me in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, which is- Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was something above. And it was just, this was, I mentioned this in a past podcast episode where we were in, in the basement and there was no one in the rest of the home. It was a tour we were doing at night. I, I do love paranormal tours and investigations and I, I try to do them safely. And on the yeah. tour, um, there was a loud bang above our head and we discovered the next day that something- just forcefully, really forcefully knocked over a chair, which was in the dining room above our heads. And I didn't feel at the moment, I thought this was something trying to scare us. But then afterwards I realized, okay, we were asking like, if there's someone here, give us a sign. They were giving, they were innocently giving a sign, this person on the other side. Um, But would I wish for that to happen again? No, I'm open to it and receptive to it. But do I wish to feel that feeling of fear again? I don't. <laughs> and yeah, the exactly. exactly. Yeah. So to people who don't experience these things like, oh, it's like the conjuring. How fun? No, it's not really fun. <laughs> no, because you're not sitting at home on a screen watching a TV show that you can click off. This exactly. Is a, yeah. Just like when people start playing with Ouija boards and stuff, I've heard so many horror stories of people who, who played with them early and had like a heck of a time clearing themselves afterwards and um yeah and then there's certain things even like as a tourist that I just don't care if I see because I wouldn't be able to handle it uh empathically well, it's interesting you mentioned Ouija boards because uh this the Farnsworth house Inn, which is where I had this experience it is also a and b <laughs> and okay. they have a rule that if they discover any a guest having a Ouija board and using it they will find the guest because it's it's the, the the energy in that home is that intense, isn't that interesting? Wow, wow, good for them, good for them because they that that home has a lot of war history, uh, and yeah. it was a boarding house for a very long time, and today's a B and B. So, I, I mean, there are actually on the facade of the building there are still bullet holes from the American Civil War. In wow. like, it's it's bizarre uh, and interesting. Definitely not a joke. Folks should consult with a professional. Um, yes. <laughs> and on a little bit of a lighter, well, is, these are all light notes because it's fun to talk about. It's important. But on an even more light note, your first book, A Little Bit of Intuition, I just want to tell people listening, if you're curious about your intuitive abilities or you're having this feeling you might be an intuitive worker yourself, I highly recommend getting Catherine's book, A Little Bit of Intuition. I have enjoyed it so much. And in this book, you write, and I'm going to quote you, uh, quote, fear is an imbalance of the mind. Intuition arrives when the mind is very calm. So I would love for you to give mm-hmm. to give us examples that show the difference between when we are receiving something and tapping into fear versus receiving something and tapping into our intuition. Yeah, I know that's a good one. Because uh, most of the time people do try to get answers when they're scared and then you're just in a slippery slope because uh, for example uh, let's say you've got some weird pain uh, in your in your side oh no you know you start googling I'm sick what if I'm sick what if this what if that and then you and then somebody might say oh well what what's my intuition like should I should I take this medicine or should I go to the doctor or should I eat this thing or not? Well, you can't tell because your, your heart is racing too fast. You're in, you're in fear and you're in fight or flight and your mind's just going to go through a million scenarios. And it's not really true intuition. It's, it's really hard when it comes to those kind of scenarios, like a health one, let's say, or like, well, gosh, even during COVID, I mean, how many of us are 
just exhausted of making decisions about everything. Uh, every time you want to go out, should I go out? Should I go there? Should I wear a mask? Should I get the vaccine or not? Should I get, and everything is just, um, it's, it's tough to tell because that's a very fear provoking thing. And we're bombarded with news and opinions and we're defending. And it's like, well, how do you know really what's your gut about the pandemic or what you need to do in the sea of all of this around you? So usually intuition, when it's reliable, it arrives when your mind is calm, when you're not even thinking about it, you might just suddenly hear, there's so many ways it could play out with, with these difficult scenarios. But um, I'm just bringing up the health one since it's been so relevant and so hard to navigate. Right. But if you know, if you if you walk in and you're you you've thought it through and you've decided, okay, I'm going to get my third shot or whatever, it is, and then you get there and everything in you just goes, I don't know why, but no, you know, if you've already made up your mind and thought it through and talked, and then you just out of nowhere get a no. Well, maybe that's because of that batch that you'd be getting that day. Maybe that's who's administering it. Maybe that's no for good or no for today. You're not for now, but you got to honor that at that moment, if you can, you know? Well, and I appreciate in your book, how, how you describe that an intuitive download, so to speak, happens when you get information and there's no strong emotion attached to it. Just, it yeah. feels like fact uh, yeah. or comes across through, through your intuition as fact. And one of the scenarios, because what's brilliant about how you write your books is you present an idea or an ability or form of intuitive ability. And then you describe, usually outline several scenarios or examples. And one of them that I really, fortunately, unfortunately related to was like when you are dating somebody and you have these fears about, oh, are they looking at other people? Are they following someone on social media? Um, what about their ex? And, and I, I'll, I will shamelessly say and be and very open about it that I have definitely experienced that where when I'm dating somebody or going on dates, I fearful thoughts come up. And then when I've acted on those fearful thoughts, n- no way, no, has not worked out for me. Um, but yeah. when I listen to the thoughts that have come up is just like those gut feelings that feel very factual and very sure and don't have these strong and anxious emotions tied to them. And I followed that, then it's usually worked out better for me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's something I appreciate in, in, in your books that you usually outline these scenarios. They're very helpful. And with the fear versus intuition, um, I, it's something that I've been working. I think we all work through it. We're human. And yeah. it's helpful that to have someone like yourself who's been in, involved in this work for a long time to outline that and to describe what that feels like. Yeah, thanks. I'll just give one example because it's another current events type example, uh, you know, intuitively that came up for me. I sort of felt maybe all the way back to December that uh, Russia would invade uh, Ukraine. I don't remember whether it was because there were hints or inklings or wonderings on the news or not, but they weren't talking about it that much, really, but it was still all COVID uh, at the time. And it was on my mind, but sort of in the background of my mind. I wasn't worrying or panicking or reading or boning up on anything. I was just, it was just there. And then I think it was end of January, I woke up with a dream that showed me territories, like in a map. Um, And it's pretty much so far playing out this way of the regions that now my gut feeling at the time was that he was going to succeed to capture a couple of these regions, but not the whole country and not, not, not into other countries. 
so I, that happened when I, it wasn't on the news. I wasn't scared. People weren't fleeing. That's when I trust that intuition because I wasn't otherwise engaged with it. Now, flash forward to beginning of March when the invasion happened, I'm watching the news. I start waking up every day as if my life's flashing before my eyes and I have to escape. I started going, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I need to do this in my life. What if, what if, what if, what if? And a friend had to say, Kat, you're not fleeing. You're not there. And I had to snap out and go, oh my Lord, I've been watching so much news, feeling empathically for the people huddling in metro stations and, and exile. I was living it as if it was me. So that's, a, to me, a good indication of intuition versus empath, you know? I mean, you're still picking up something accurate, but I had to step back and say, all right, I, I can't watch the news for now too often because I have to stay centered. I had the same exact experience, funny enough. And a friend wow, called okay, me. tell me yours. <laughs> well, uh, well, same exact. I mean, I'm just excited to tell you. So I think maybe same exact is too strong of a phrase, but very similar where... I was watching the news about everything, seeing the images and it's very sad and it was really getting yeah. to me. And, um, and I thought maybe I should move out of New York city because New York city is a hotbed of everything. You know, everything's here. And, you know, with unfortunately of the trauma, I was not living here during nine 11, but just with that in the background of yes. our history is just, and then a friend told me and she lives in New Jersey, which is very close. And I, I she's like, Juan, if it happens, it happens. It, we can't control many things. <laughs> there are many things that are out of our control. You just have to keep living your life and enjoy it and be grateful for what you have. And it just reminded me to just pause and yeah. not, you know, not escape the city, quote unquote, escape, and, as my mind was telling me, out of this fear that I don't know yeah. if it's founded yet. I don't know if that fear is yeah. founded yet. It's hard. It, it's hard being human and gauging, you know, what is this a fear? to to act upon or is it going to save my life truly going to save exactly. my life is it just me future tripping which a lot of the times exactly. future tripping for sure for sure exactly well that's that's the thing i mean i had to step back and go you are not in any danger yourself there's absolutely no logic that i'm in any danger here so reacting as if i was you know it's like a human thing to start thinking of the worst case scenario and then planning for it if you're an anxious person, but it just amazed me how visceral that one was, you know, from, from the news. And I think people do generally have a higher level of empathy and compassion for it this time than we've ever seen. Thanks to social media, I think, because now we can share yeah. images and videos so easily, whether that's to our benefit or disadvantage on a mental health level. But I, yeah. I do think it it does, in that case, social media has helped us become more empathic as a culture because we can share things so easily and know what's happening around the world. Yeah. I also go with, you know, intuition of like reading people's energy as well. And I did notice that in the past, whenever I would see uh, Putin on the news, he would give me that shudder, you know, to your core, like, ooh. and he doesn't anymore, despite how he's acting. And that's why I know, I feel pretty sure, I don't have any proof, but other mediums are also stepping out and saying similar things at a similar time. I believe he's ill. He doesn't have the same energy of that sort of deep, cold, scary thing, even though his actions are like, are that, but it's, it's just coming from a different place. I'm not saying it makes it better, but it's just, it shows 
some vulnerability right. that's there on his side that we didn't see before. And therefore, how is that going to play out for him? Or how does that mean other countries play out? I'm sure we're not the only ones who sense this or have heard things. Yeah. But I found that interesting, right? Because your physical energy is part of your intuition. If if somebody suddenly doesn't give you that scare they used to, that could be even a parent. And then you go back and you see them when they're older and it's like, wow, they're, they're an old, frail thing now. They're not scary anymore. Mm. If you're living in your head with your memories and holding on to grudges and stuff, you won't get that. But if you're like in your body and you go, yeah, but do I feel unsafe really right now? Really? Like, is there a reason? You know, safety is a big one. We know, yes or no, do I feel safe? <laughs> and the other big question I like to train people with intuition to is first thing to do is ask yourself, is this mine? Second, you feel anything that makes you go, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times things are not. They're other people's or they're collective and it's not you personally. And once you can just get that little buffer, it's amazing how that will calm anxiety. And help yes. you act better, you know? That, that's, I think that's a wonderful note to, to wrap up on. And I, I just, I so appreciate your insight. It's been a wonderful conversation. And yeah, before I enjoyed we, it too. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. And, and before we do hop off, I want to ask, how can listeners learn more about you? My main website is river-rain.com. And then I have a YouTube channel that says Catherine River Rain. Um, I do full moon and new moon uh, forecasts every month. And, um, and then of course, a month, every platform there is, I think, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Instagram and Facebook, uh, Patreon. I'm trying to, I really want to build a, a membership community. I know that that's like trendy, but I understand why. And it's attractive because social media has made it sort of hard to, to, to really curate or facilitate communities. Mm. And that's, I really miss that. And so I would, I'm trying to, to build something like that as well on, on Patreon and see where it leads with all of these umbrella topics. I, I wish you the, the absolute luck and, and the, the best of luck as you build that. And I, I feel like social media, I think with all kinds of work that people do on social media, but especially with intuitive work, it's a free for all and people can message us all the time and ask questions. And whereas yes. I, I do, I do see the purpose of building a membership, uh, just a community of members, a membership community. So I, yeah, I wish you, I wish you luck with that. That's wonderful. Thanks. And I'll be coming to New York in September. So maybe I, I can meet you. I would love to meet you. I, I mean, I've, oh, to speak about all this and even more in person would be yeah, really, really I would fun. Love that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it.